Our psalm this morning is found in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all of them. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. I would like to invite uh, Aldo now to preach to us, and let's give our attention to the preaching of God's Word. Our epistle lesson this morning is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come in this place and we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to us in our circumstances. Speak to us in our lives. Speak to us now as we come in many different stages and many different places. um, We pray that your word would be timely, that you would speak to us because we are listening. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, um, as uh, John said, I'm a student at Gordon-Conwell, uh, so Ryan taught me everything that I know. Um, so if there's anything in the sermon that you don't like, just email rreeves at gordonconwell.edu, and he will be happy to um, answer any questions that you have. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, obviously very happy to be here. Um, Chuck asked me to do this, and obviously I was very excited, but I did not know um, at the time that the World Cup final was going to be today as we speak. Um, so this may be a very short sermon, so you picked a, a very good week to come. Uh, <laughs> no, obviously I'm very happy to be here. Um, I love this church. I love being a part of this church. I love being with you. Um, you all have been just a source of encouragement to my wife and I and our son. Um, in tough times, in good times, we have felt loved and appreciated, and we just enjoy um, being here. I enjoy being a part of this congregation. So um, thank you. I don't know if you guys pay attention to the news. Um, I'm sure some of you do. And maybe you saw this story of this soccer team in Thailand. Did anybody see that? Um, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. There was this soccer team. It was about 12 boys, and they were um, kind of climbing in a cave with their coach. Now, what a soccer team was doing in a cave, I do not know. Maybe it was some sort of Remember the Titans style motivational trip. I don't know what was going on. But there's this soccer team, they're climbing this cave in Thailand with their coach. And they get about two and a half miles back, which is really far into a cave. I mean, I don't go into caves very often, but that seems pretty far. Um, but they get that far back, and then the cave begins to flood. And they actually get trapped in this air pocket way back, two and a half miles back in the cave. So obviously there's a, a sort of rescue mission, and the first step is even trying to find them. You know, obviously they're in this cave underground. There's not a lot of cell signal back there. Um, so you got to try to find them. And then when you do find them, again, two and a half miles back in a cave, let alone getting them out, it's getting to them. So you've got uh, international organizations, Navy SEALs. You had Elon Musk. He said he was going to send a miniature submarine um, Everybody then decided that was not a good idea and just moved on from that. And we decided then they were going to send in these Navy rescue divers. And so the divers go back and they finally get these to these boys, I think about a week after they had been back there. You can imagine, you know, you're in this dark cave for a week and then just kind of out of the water comes this, um, you know, wetsuit clad um, goggle-wearing person, I'm here to rescue you. And it's like, okay, you know, did you bring anything? We brought scuba gear. And you're like... I don't know about this. And so, you know, they get back there, and then they decide that the best way to get the boys out is to teach them scuba. They're going to teach them to scuba out of the cave. Okay, so you can imagine, again, you know, good luck. This is your first attempt at scuba. It's life and death. And so, you know, they teach the boys to scuba, and then one by one, they, get the, they lead them through a dark cave two and a half miles and they get them all out. They get all 12 and the coach, make it out. And it's, you know, it captures the imagination because nobody thought that that was going to happen. Nobody was sitting there thinking, yeah, this is easy. Cake. We got this. We do this all the time. Nobody thought that. And it captures the imagination. But if you're like me, and that's probably a little bit weird, um, I look at situations like that where you had a near-death experience, you overcame the odds, everything just, you know, lined up for you, and 
I look at those situations and I think, now what? You know, because you get rescued on Thursday, right? You come out, you haven't seen the sun in two weeks. You're thinking, I'm definitely going to die here. Like, that's definitely what's going to happen. And then you get rescued. You get delivered. And you come out on Thursday. And then what do you do on Friday? Like, you can't just go back to life as usual. I mean, these guys, these are teenage boys. Do they like, you know, oh, we'll take a weekend off. And then Monday, you know, just go back to soccer practice. Go back to the multiplication tables. Like, just go back to life as usual. That seems so weird. We seem as when we look at something like that, we think, you've had this deliverance. Your life has got to change. Something's got to be different. You've, you're on the other side now. And now things, you just can't go on life as usual. And Psalm 34 is a now what psalm. It finds us on the other side of rescue. Finds us on the other side of deliverance. Psalm 34 actually has a compliment, which is Psalm 25. Psalm 25 is a psalm that you and I are very used to in the church. It's a psalm of, God, would you do something? Would you rescue us? Would you save us? God, would you work and do what only you can do? Because there is no way that I can get out of this mess. All of my plans, all of my schemes, all of my great ideas have amounted to nothing. And I need you to do something. And then Psalm 34 comes and we see that God did do something. Well, then now what do we do? And I think Psalm 34 tells us what we do on the other side of deliverance. You look at me with me first at verses 1 through 7. You see, we got to remember what God did in the past. Remember what God did in the past, especially verses 3 and 4. I ma- oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. we got to remember what God did. Because if you're like me, and if you're like every character in the Bible, uh, you get deliverance. You get rescue. You make it out of an impossible situation, and you come up, and you say, thank you, Jesus. And then you open your eyes, and the next problem is there. And it's very easy for us to quickly jump to the next issue, to forget what God did five minutes earlier, and jump and say, well, now I've got this sex issue. God, I don't know if you can do this. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm so in the pit. we got to slow down and remember what God did in the past because it gives us confidence to remember that God will do it again. we got to remember what God did because we're quick to jump to the next thing. We're quick to find the next problem when we're quick to forget God's faithfulness. We're quick to move on. And what happens when we remember what God did is that we also remember who we are. If you look in verse 2, thy soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. When we remember what God did, we also remember that we couldn't have done it. We also remember that we were helpless to save ourselves. We remember that we need God to come in. We need God to rescue us. We need God to save us. We rely on God. And what happens when we don't do that is we get prideful. And when we're prideful, what we really do is hide who we really are from ourselves. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's very prideful, 
My wife is nodding vigorously. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's prideful, but everybody knows that the prideful person is not all that they say that they are. You know, the prideful person thinks that they're all that in a bag of chips, but everybody knows that they're not even the bag of chips. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's aware. The person who's deceived is the prideful person. They don't fool anybody. They don't fool God and they don't fool others, but they fool themselves. And so we remember what God has done. We remember his deliverance. We remember his rescue. And we remember who we are in relationship to him, that we are not the saviors, that we are not the rescuers, but we are the rescued, that we are the saved, that we are the delivered. So we remember what God did in the past. And by remembering what God did in the past, we know that we can trust him in the present. And trust him in the present. If you look, especially at verses uh, 11 through 14, but really the middle section of the psalm is very, very interesting. So we get... Um, this great praise about what God has done in verses 1 through 7. This just, God did it. God delivered me. God rescued me. God saved me. And then we get to verses um, 11 through 14, and we get instruction about righteous living. Right here in the middle of this psalm of praise to God, we get this instruction in righteousness. And really, this is about trusting God in the present having been on the other side of deliverance, knowing what God did in the past, we now follow God's word. We now listen to what he has to say because when we trust God in the present, it means we live in a way that honors him, even when everyone else seems to be getting ahead by hook and by crook. When everybody else seems to be living in violence and oppression and they seem to be getting away with it. When everybody seems to be cheating in their business, when everybody else seems to be oppressing and doing evil and getting away with it, we trust God in the present, remembering what he did in the past, that he'll do it again now. We trust him by being obedient. And I think really the struggle for you and me is not that we don't want to be obedient. I think in the most part, when God rescues you, when God saves you, you say, I want to follow this God. I want to chase after him. I want to live according to his ways. But the struggle becomes, does God notice? Does God see? In the day-to-day, -day, in the time, in the normal time, day in and day out, does God see me in my righteousness? Does God see me in business? Does God see me when my child is sick and I'm staying up all night with them? Does God see me when I'm trying to make the world a better place? Does God see me when I'm loving my neighbor? Does God see us when we're trusting him now? Does he understand? And verses 15, gives, verse 15 and 16 give us the answer. God says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His eyes are on you. He sees you. He sees you in your righteousness. He sees you as you are going into the world. He sees you when no one else does. He sees you when you're trying to help someone and then that person takes one step forward and two steps back. He sees you when you're at home with your kids and it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere. He sees you when you're with your spouse and you're putting a lot into the relationship and it doesn't seem like you're getting a lot out. He sees you 
and his ears are toward their cry, he hears. He hears you when you're giving him praise. He hears you when you're magnifying what he has done. And he hears you when you're crying out saying, God, would you do something? God, would you help? God, we need you now in this present moment. Would you do something? Would you hear? He hears you when you cry. He hears you when you weep. So we remember what he did in the past. We trust him in the present. And through all that, we have hope for the future. We have hope for the future. Um, You may be sitting there thinking, isn't this just a little bit of naive optimism? I mean, isn't this just a little bit optimistic? You know, you get saved, you get deliverance, you come out, and then you just thank God for what he's done, and then you trust him, and, you know, a brand new car will be waiting for you. Dinner will always run on the table on time. Your family will always just love you. Everything is going to be great. Isn't this just a little bit naive? I mean, isn't this just a little bit optimistic? And I, I don't think it is. Look at me, with me at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. On the other side of deliverance, it doesn't mean we won't need to be delivered again. Jesus said it this way, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And the Christian hope is not a naive optimism that says, well, you become a Christian, God delivers you, and then everything is just smooth sailing from there. Streets of gold, sunshine and rainbows from here on out. That is not the Christian hope. No, the Christian hope is actually, I think, summarized in verse 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. That the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. That God is with you. That God is for you. Even in circumstances where it doesn't seem like it. In Matthew, when... Uh, an angel comes to Joseph to announce that Jesus is coming into the world. He says, Mary shall bear a son and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's not that there won't be trial. It's not that there won't be trouble. But it means that God is with us. God himself comes into the world and he himself is afflicted. He himself is oppressed. He himself is injured. He himself is hurt. He himself cries. He himself is wounded. And God himself dies. So that way he might be near to the brokenhearted. That he might be near to the crushed in spirit. That he might be close. That he might be Emmanuel, God with us. And then finally we see how everything is going to turn out. If you look finally at verses 21 through 22, affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We see this future hope that one day God is going to come and he's going to make all things right. One day he's going to come and he's going to set everything straight. One day those who seem to be powerful through oppression and violence. One day those who seem to hate God's people, one day those who seem to oppress, will themselves be victims of affliction, will themselves be reversed, will find themselves on the outside of God's love. But those who seem oppressed, those who seem like they're going through trial, those who seem like 
they're trusting God and God hasn't shown up, will be, will not be condemned. They will be rescued and they will be saved. They will be delivered. So we can go into the future knowing that God is with us, knowing that he's for us. As our, the song that we sang earlier said, no power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand. He is with us and he is for us. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for um, your grace. We thank you that you are a God who is with us. We thank you that even when we doubt, even when we are afflicted, you are there and you are with us and you are for us and you hear our cry. Pray that you would help us to see the hope for the future that we have, that we may remember your deliverance in the past, that we may trust you in the present, that we may have hope for the future. In Jesus' name, amen.